0: Why don't we achieve our goals? Why don't we get everything we want? That's what I want to talk with you today about. Because we've all set goals, and if you're anything like me, you've probably set goals in your life, and maybe you're still setting some of those same goals. It's frustrating, right? So I don't know if you're anything like me, you might have caught yourself asking, man, didn't I just set this goal last year? Didn't I set this goal again six months ago? Why am I still not achieving it? And what I've come to recognize over the years is that it really boils down to one major factor. And I want to share that with you in just a moment. But first, I want to share two stories with you to really hit this home. So in my last year at the University of Toronto, I was playing on the varsity men's soccer team. And it was my final year. And so going into that final year, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm going to... I'm going to go out with a bang. There's no way I'm going to finish my, you know, City career without winning some type of championship. Because for the previous three years, we had typically the best players on paper, but really never really achieved what we could have. And so that final season going into it, it was the summertime. And I was, I was thinking ahead for the coming year. And at the same time, we had eight other players who were also graduating. And so here we are you know, eight guys who've played together for the past three years. We're all going out together. And I'm thinking, guys, like, let's let's do something special here. Let's let's finish on a high note, because I think we can all agree we've underachieved. And so at the time, in the way things worked back in the day, back like like it was the 1900s, it was 2003 at this point, So back in those days, we were only, it wasn't a full-year soccer program, which is kind of shocking to even say this. We'd have a preseason, which was uh, two weeks, and then we'd get into the season, which was about three and a half months. And then our coach wasn't really, um, to be honest, a very astute, high-level soccer coach. Great guy, but just, you know, not what we needed. Um, End of, you know, come November, I'd be like, okay, guys, have a good year at school. We'll see you next year. And I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? Like, this is not how a high performance program is run. And so that following year, we really took it upon ourselves to do something different. And so what we did is I got the guys together and I said, Hey guys, we're going into our last season. This is is like early summer. Okay. And this is, you know, two, two and a half, three months before the preseason starts. And I said, Hey guys, we're going into our last season and we need to be prepared. We need to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to win this whole thing. And so what we started, what we committed to is every Saturday morning, collectively and unofficially, like not sanctioned by the university, we got together at a local school and we just started conditioning and getting ready. And it started off the first Saturday with me and my assistant captain. And then the next week, two more guys came and the next week more guys came and by middle of the summer we had 16 players on our team showing up every weekend and remember, we only had eight guys who were graduating, but literally almost the rest of the squad was showing up. the only people who didn't show up didn't live in the city like they lived across the country so you know to no fault of their own and but what we had done here is we spent three months training and working together every single week. We got in the best shape of our lives. And most importantly, we had built chemistry like we had never built before. And so what ended up happening was in the season, we ended up finishing first in our division. We ended up winning the province championships or the, the state championships, if you're using American states versus Canadian provinces. And we ended up getting to nationals and finishing fourth. Um, a little bit disappointed with the fourth and nationals, but nonetheless, it was our first appearance there, which was great. So what does this story have to do with us not achieving our goals? Well, this all has to do with the one key that is the foundation of achieving anything in life, and it's hunger or desire, right? Same, you know, same coin, different side. You see, going into our last year, we had a, like a really ravenous desire, a hunger like never before because we knew this was the end. This was it. This was the last rodeo and we wanted to finish on the highest possible note. There was no coming back. It was like, this is it. So that urgency and that scarcity was real and that increased our desire like never before. And we did whatever we could to make that a reality. I'm gonna share another story with you. Um, a friend of mine, and I'll just keep him anonymous to, uh, to keep the innocent at bay or to protect the innocent, as they say. A uh, friend of mine, colleague, uh, in similar spaces as ours, coaches, gym owners, and fitness professionals. And he got to a point where he was sharing his numbers uh, at a recent masterminds and doing very, very well, okay? So, you know, multiple six figures a month. And his profit was ridiculous. Like, it was, you know, 90% plus profit sitting on millions of dollars of cash in the bank, and we all asked him, like, dude, like, what are you doing? Because he had said, like, the, it's been a good year. Things are good. But then he mentioned something that was interesting. He said his revenue was the same. It was the same as of that meeting as it had been the previous seven months. And that was a bit of a warning flag because essentially what he had said was, like, I'm I, I'm done. Like, I, I've stopped growing. And when he started sharing his numbers with all his profit and the cash sitting around, I'm like, dude, You just don't want it badly enough. You're comfortable. You're comfortable. And being comfortable is the enemy of achieving greatness. It's very, very easy to get comfortable. And this is the challenge is we all want to be more comfortable, right? So we work so hard to have financial security and financial freedom and and all that good stuff. And then we get to a point where we have it. And then we take our foot off the accelerator and things are okay, right? Life is good. And maybe that's, that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also a very dangerous place to be if you say you want more. Because if you say you want more and you want to be more and contribute more and do more, then having all of your basic needs met and more and then some with plenty to spare, can be a very dangerous place to be because there's no more urgency. There's no more hunger. And that, you know, when you first start your business, it's like every sale counts, right? Like you're you're doing whatever you can to, to bring money in and, you know, all that stuff. And when that goes away and when you have, and when you're comfortable and you're kind of sitting on this mountain that you've built, it's like, I'm good. And again, there's nothing wrong with with being there and staying there if you want. But remember, we can't ever stagnate. Nothing ever stays the same. If you've ever surfed or sat on a surfboard in the ocean waiting for a wave, you'll know that you don't really stay stationary. We're always moving. And it's the same thing in business. You can't always be at the same revenue and profit forever. You're either going to go up or down. You might stay the same for a couple months, but not indefinitely. And so we just had a conversation. I said, hey, man, like, it seems to me like you don't really, really want the next level, because if you did, you would do whatever you possibly could to get there. And this, the advice that I gave him is I said, listen, like, I've actually been there too, man. Like, I understand what you're going through. And for me, what I recognized was that I had to dig deeper to find a bigger reason why. I had to really connect. I had to really, really connect to a bigger vision. And so when we don't achieve our goals, it's really because we don't have anything that is compelling enough for us to do whatever it takes to achieve them. It's as simple as that. And so in a previous lesson, we, I had you write out an exhaustive list of everything you want, right? Everything you wanna be, do, have in life. And here's what I want you to do. Every single day, of the rest of your life from this day forward. And I know that sounds like a big ask because it is. And it's going to seem uncomfortable because maybe you're not already doing this. And if you are already doing this, then that's great. Here's what I want you to do is every single morning without fail, seven days a week, 365 days a year from this point until the end is I want you to spend five minutes with your list of wants and I want you to review them. I want you to take one of them at a time and write one page in your journal about why it's a must for you to achieve that. So let's say you have 20 things you wrote down as your on your list of wants. You're gonna review that every morning and then I want you to take one of them at a time and maybe it's like you continue repeating one of them for a week, I don't know. Whatever you want to do, but one of them every day and you're going to write out why it's a must. Not why it's nice, but why it's a must that you achieve that goal. And what you're going to what's going to happen here is number a couple things. Number 1, you're going to recognize that some of the stuff you wrote down, you actually don't really want. If you were to rate it on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being like I will run through a brick wall, jump out of a burning building to to make this happen, and zero being, I'm not even gonna get out of bed in the morning, you will find that some of the things you wrote down might be a six or seven. And that is the answer to why they might still be on your list, as opposed to having come true. And then there's gonna be a few others, and maybe a few others that you might not have thought were the big ones. But as you write them down and as you write out their why, something inside of you starts to sprout. A flame starts to ignite and you feel this sense of like, man, this is, this is the thing, this is the one. This is why I'm doing this. And it honestly, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to tell anyone else. You don't have to share this with anyone. This is between you and you. Whatever that is that drives you, that you know, out of the list of things that you've written down, the thing or the things that are the highest possible charge emotionally for you, that viscerally you're like, yes, this is why I'm gonna jump out of bed in the morning. This is why I'm gonna do whatever it takes. This is why I'm gonna keep getting up even after I get knocked down. This is why I'm gonna keep going even though people say I can't. This is why I'm gonna keep going no matter what, right? You you clue you you keep pulling into those. And it's so important to do this every day because as we've talked about before, you have to tame the weeds in your mind and to continually groove new trails in your nervous system. If if you've done this in the past and you're still not doing it, then you haven't done it. I'm, I'm encouraging you to really make this part of who you are as a person. If you have a gratitude journal or any kind of morning meditative practice, build this into that. You might be asking, can I do this at night? Yeah, totally, I would still recommend you do it in the day because in in the morning, because first thing, it will set the tone, it'll set the course, it'll set the state for the rest of your day. You know, starting your day with excitement, being reminded of why you're doing what you're doing, what that vision is for you. This is what we need because life is challenging, business is hard, there there are more obstacles than we want to even face. And we always have to turn back to why we are doing what we're doing to continue mustering the courage to continue going up the hill. I'm going to share one last little story with you. I was helping my son, Oscar, prepare for a presentation that he had on the Klondike Gold Rush. And as we went into this material and researched on this, I was absolutely astonished by what these guys, and I say guys, like literally, like it was mostly men, went through in the pursuit of gold. It was absolutely insane. And I I believe, and if I can remember the dates, I believe it was, you know, 1897, I wanna say, and I correct me, I I apologize, apologize if my dates are wrong. But, you know, when we compare that time to now, I mean, really, like the challenges that we face now, in no way, shape, or form even come close to what these men and families had to go through. Let me give you an example. So gold was discovered in Yukon, and the word spread throughout North America. So all of a sudden, people from San Francisco, across all of Canada, everywhere, were coming into the Yukon. And there was really three main passages to get into this one area and one of them was from Alaska into the Yukon because they're bordering states. And what ended up happening was that in order to get from Alaska to the Yukon, you had to climb a mountain. <laughs> okay. So you had to actually climb a mountain and then go down the mountain and then you're there. But at the top of the mountain was the Canadian border patrol. At the time, they would not allow anyone in who did not have one year's worth of food and supplies. And it's been said that that equated to one ton. One ton of food and equipment. So what ended up happening was a lot of these explorers would take weeks and multiple trips, not days, not hours, weeks, to take a bunch of stuff up, come back down. Take the next stuff up and go back down. Take the, like, Can you just think of this? Think of what they had to go through, okay? And remember, the Yukon slash Alaska... Uh, Pretty cold, right? There's maybe two or three months of the year where it's warm and then hell freezes over. So we're talking a pretty constrained time here. And what happened was a lot of them would get to the top after weeks of taking their stuff up and down, only to be denied by border control because they didn't have enough supplies to last them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing that for weeks? Going through snow and rock and uphill and, and the stuff on your back and, and lugging things along, only to be denied and like see it go back home. Just stop for a second and think of in today's reality. Let's say you get on a plane, travel across the country, they say, no, you can't come. And okay, cool, that was a couple hours and I'm back home. Not the end of the world, not great, but it wasn't several weeks of walking up a hill, okay? Now, those who did get by border control then had to take all of their equipment and food down the other side of the mountain into the Yukon. So again, that's a whole, other, a whole other journey. Now, when they got to the bottom of the mountain, they still were not where they needed to be for the gold. Because where the gold was, was 900 kilometers away. Yeah, 900 kilometers away. And so what they had to do is they had to get onto, I believe it was the Yukon River, and sail or make their way along the river for 900 kilometers to, I believe it was Dawson. I believe, I apologize again if I'm mistaken there, but 900 kilometers. And so guess what? Did they have a boat? No. So what did they have to do? They had to chop down trees make a boat, get in a boat. It was actually like the entire forested area in that area was completely barren because we had hundreds of these people chopping trees down and just absolutely removing the forest to build these boats. So then you had hundreds of boats coming down this river, 900 kilometers. But this wasn't just like some lazy river. There were pieces of the river that were legitimate rapids. And many of these boats didn't make it. And then because of the length of the journey, depending on the time of year they were there, the actual river would freeze and turn to ice. So some of the boats were literally frozen in ice and they couldn't move any further. And then sadly, some of these explorers passed away because, you know, some of them didn't have enough supplies or they were abandoned, you know, stranded in ice. And just think about that. Like, think about this, like how crazy the journey they went through was. But let's back up a second. Just think of the desire these individuals must have had to endure that type of hardship, to go through months of treacherous terrain, cold weather, no idea what they would see at the end of this, this, other than the glimmer of hope in their mind, of I'm going to find gold. I'm going to find gold. And what that must have meant to them. I don't know what that story was for them. But in their mind, they must have thought, if I get this gold, I'm set. My family is set. My kids will be taken care of forever. And maybe for them, that was the why that kept pushing them. But here's the sad thing, is that less than 10% of the thousands, the tens of thousands of people who embarked on the Klondike Gold Rush, less than 10% of them found gold. Less than 10% of them. And less than 10% of the 10% actually became wealthy based on the amount of gold they found. And I mean, when you compare present-day reality to that, it's like, hey, Facebook ad account got shut down. Listen, it's not the end of the world, right? Somebody said no to you, we'll be okay. So if that helps to give you some perspective, great. Hopefully it does. But I share that story with you to remind you that Anything you want in life is possible, as long as you want it badly enough. Because if you say you want something and you don't have it yet, and you've been saying you wanted that thing for quite some time, and I'm looking at this from the outside, here's what I'm thinking. You just don't want it badly enough. And this, I've been, listen, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And when I say doing this, I mean, even recognizing my own patterns, my own thoughts, and seeing this with thousands of other people saying they want things, but really not wanting them because they're not willing to do whatever it takes to make them happen. So my encouragement for you is to please every single day, take five minutes, review your wants, write down one of them and why it's a must for you. And if you're having a tough time coming up with reasons why it's a must, that's an indication that it might not be a must. And if it's flowing like a river on the hottest day of the summer, then that's an indication that it probably is a must. And you'll have more energy behind that. I would say grab a hold of that as if you were on a jet ski and just take that as far as you possibly can. So that is how we, or why we don't achieve our goals, but also how we can start to achieve our goals by getting aligned with what we truly, truly want and reminding ourselves consistently of why it is an absolute must that we have it.